0: Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey, friends, and welcome to the second episode in our January bonus series called New Year, Same You. Today, Chelsea Sobolik is on, and Chelsea released a book last fall called "It." The book is called "Called to Cultivate: A Gospel Vision for Women and Work." And I wanted to have Chelsea on during this um, series because a lot of us go into a new year and we think, "What am I doing with my life?" <laughs> Anyone else have those questions? What am I doing this year? What do I want to change? And so we talk about just different seasons with work. We talk about the mundane. We talk about the ordinary. We talk about what a woman's highest calling is, and neither one of us believe that their highest calling is motherhood. And we just have a really great conversation about what it means to cultivate where God has put you. And so I hope that as you listen, that no matter what stage of life you're in, whether you're a college student, a stay-at-home mom, a young married, um, a woman in her 40s, it doesn't matter where you are, I think that you're gonna be encouraged by this. Chelsea, welcome to the happy hour.
1: Thanks so much for
0: having me. I'm excited to have you here for our series in January about New Year, Same You. And this is how a lot of us feel. We're coming into 2024. We're like, okay, I've got a lot of dreams. I've got a lot of goals. And then you wake up and you're the same person. Chelsea, Okay, this is what I can relate this to. I remember the first time I ever released a book. And um, you have written before. And you know the date of your book release. For like a year and a half. And so it's on your calendar. It's in your brain, everything. And then you wake up that day and you're like, well, everything's the same. For me, I was like, I'm still taking kids to school. Like there's no like, Nothing (laughs) changed. It was still the same (laughs) me. And so I kind of feel like sometimes we go into New Year's feeling that way. Like, okay, I have big dreams, but I'm still the same person. And so I want to talk to you about seasons of life, working, how do women thrive in those atmospheres. But first, introduce yourself to all of my listeners.
1: Yeah, well, I'm Chelsea Soblik. I live and work um, right outside the DC area. We live in Northern Virginia, but I work for an organization called World Relief. They're a global Christian humanitarian aid organization and the largest uh, evangelical refugee resettlement agency here in the US. So I do their government relations. I think I have the best job in the world. I really mean that with everything in me. Um, But that's what I do for work. And then um, my husband and I Um, at the end of October returned home from India where we finalized our son's adoption. Um, so we are settling into life as a family of three, he's two and a half. Um, so we went from zero children to a two and a half year old. Um, so, uh, adjusting to life as a family of three, but adoption touches my own personal story as well as I know it does yours. But so this is a topic very close to my story since the beginning of my story, but also now, um, my
0: son's story. So that's a little bit about Because about you me. too and, were in, adopted as an infant. Am I right?
1: I was. I was born in Romania and was adopted as an infant. And then I have five siblings who were also adopted internationally. So oh,
0: I know good, that dear part, dear part of your heart. story. Yeah. Are your are brothers and sisters from around the world or all from Romania?
1: So I have a brother who's um, also from, a, we're not biological mm-hmm. brother, sister, but uh, adopted from Romania. I have four siblings from Russia and then actually a cousin from Ukraine. Oh, wow. Um, so we always say the Olympics are
0: a really <laughs> time in our house. So are none of your siblings, there's four or five of y'all, you said?
1: There's six total.
0: Okay, there's six siblings. Yeah, are six any of them total. biologically related?
1: Mm-mm, That's none. how it
0: is. That's what I always say about yeah. my family too. All four of my kids, none of them have the same blood. Isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah, I love it. I I didn't realize your family was built that way, too. Yeah. mm -hmm, Oh, that's mm -hmm. beautiful. And it's really cool, too, just to have something deeply personal in common with my son. I mean, obviously, Mm. vastly different circumstances and parts of the world, but the way we join our families is the same. And so um, he and I will have that in common. And that's
0: really deeply
1: special to me that Mm. we'll have
0: that in common. That totally is. And I know we're not talking about adoption today. You'll have to come back on and we'll have a whole conversation about adoption. But I can say that um, it almost looks like you get teary eyed of like, I think it will be super special to your son because I don't know if you, I would assume that you did. My kids have all gone through the like, just all the questions and all the thoughts and all yeah. the things about how did you end up here? And it's not the quote unquote typical or right or normal or however you want to say it. And so it will be really special between you and your son. And now I'm almost crying, Chelsea. <laughs> so we will have to have you come back to talk about adoption, but let's talk about this. Yes. You know, we mentioned New Year, same you. And you recently released a book called Called to Cultivate, a Gospel Vision for Women in Work. And I'm super excited about seeing this book and getting this into the hands of women because it is a conversation that I think a lot of women are having of what does it look like for me to to cultivate in my, in my family and my church and my work life. And you really believe that women have an important role to play. Can you tell me like where that came from or why that idea, why I write a whole book about it? What does that mean for you?
1: This concept of um, women cultivating and working um, originates in the very first pages of scripture where God Creates humanity. He creates Adam and Eve, and he gives them um, the creation mandate. And it's really important to note he gives um, it to both Adam and Eve, and so women, Eve, and women throughout history are invited into and called into um, culture making, called into um, creating something out of the world. And this looks different for different women throughout history, and, and different women in different seasons today. But women. Um, are called to work, whether inside the home, outside the home, some combination of the two. But um, I think it's so important for us to realize and remember that the work we put our hands to every single day matters, not only today to to help love our neighbor, but um, is part of how we were created as image bearers. Mm -hmm. God worked, and so we work. And women have played and are continuing to play a vital role in their families, their churches, their communities, and the kingdom of God. So I think it's a beautiful, um, beautiful thing for us to remember that this is how God originally designed Mm. the world before the fall. Obviously, I will be the first to raise my hand and know that the fall um, impacts our work and Mars our work. Um, I share in the book of, of my very personal story working on Capitol Hill, and my boss resigned because of a sex scandal in the middle of the Me Too movement, and I lost my job. And so I know very personally what it feels like to be in work environments in the midst of the fall, but um, that's not how God originally designed work, and that is not how God redeems work. We get to be a part mm. of how God is redeeming um, the world through our work, and I love that, and I think it's a really beautiful thing for us to think about.
0: It's so good. You know, I was thinking when I was looking through your book, and I was even just hearing you talking right now, that that wasn't a message I grew up hearing a lot um, that included women. (laughs) Yeah. And so everything that you were saying, I would have said, yes, I've heard that. Yes, I've heard that. But I don't think I heard that towards women. And um, Mm -hmm. I grew up, and my mom was a working mom my whole life, I think out of necessity. You know, like it was just, um, that's just what our family needed. But I kind of had this idea, Chelsea, and I, don't, I wouldn't say that it was ever verbally said to me, although it might have been. I just don't have a memory of it. But really, this idea and this belief that as a woman, the best thing I could do was to be stay, a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home wife, whatever you look like. And just like, that would be my, my work that I would cultivate was that. And again, you and I are both saying there's nothing wrong with that at all. But I don't think I ever heard the narrative that there was anything more that I could possibly do. And so I want to hear you talk about this, a lot of, like I just told myself would have said this, you know, years and years ago that a woman's highest calling is motherhood or even being a wife. I think I hear it more from motherhood that a woman's highest calling is motherhood. And um, I'd love to hear from you about how do we, how do we actually push women towards a different higher calling? Because you and I both know, like You just became a mom, you know, in October. And what does that mean about you for the, you know, past whatever years you've been married? So talk with us a little bit about that.
1: I'm very, very, very passionate about this because I too have heard those messages for a long time, even if it's subtle or Mm -hmm. not explicit, um, that a woman's highest calling is to be a wife and mother. Um, and I really want to push back against this because two reasons, um, let me, before I say those, let me first say they are good God-designed roles, but they were never ever meant to bear the weight of being a woman's highest or truest calling Um, for several reasons. Number one, God does not call every woman into those roles. And God does not call every woman into those roles for the duration of her life. Um, I actually just finished Elizabeth Elliot's Biography by Ellen Vaughn, I believe the second part. Mm -hmm. She was married to three different men in her lifetime. And so she, for a season, was called to be Jed Elliott's wife. And then she, he passed and she was single. And then she got, you know, those types of things. And so when we elevate Mm. a woman's role, whether wife, mother, worker, whatever it is, when we elevate that to be a woman's highest calling, um, that excludes single women childless women women who are widowed all these different types of circumstances that women find themselves in mm-hmm. and I think the second thing I would say is it's not biblical
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, we don't see in scripture that that is a woman's highest calling um, we see in scripture that a woman's highest calling and actually a man's highest calling is the great commission and the great commandment so love love God love people um, and each one of us can fulfill that what Ever season mm-hmm. or circumstance of life we're in and so i think it's really um it's really discouraging when um it's emphasis you know marriage and motherhood mm-hmm. are emphasized to such an extreme that our single or childless sisters um feel like they have no place in the church or mm-hmm. no place um no no they don't fit well um, yeah. or that they're less than because they yeah. have kids or aren't married and um yeah i've, I've really touched on this i walked through a, a very long season of childlessness and um i won't say the name of the church but i was at a church at the time that during the evening service they would bring um couples up to announce uh pregnancies and engagements and mm. while we should rightly celebrate those um a large church setting where people may have just had a miscarriage that morning mm-hmm. or a broken engagement or a prolonged singleness. It's, it's not the appropriate venue. And so yeah. I think we're getting better in our churches, mm-hmm. but there's a long way to go of um, rightly valuing and honoring all of the congregate members, not just certain sections that we yeah. tend to prize and prioritize. <laughs>
0: running errands in my town and um, I met a woman and she was like, I literally, I was coming out of the bathroom and met her and she goes, oh my gosh, are you Jamie Ivy,' And I was like, yeah. She goes, I was just listening to your podcast today. So she's a podcast listener. And so we got to chatting and um, she actually taught my kids in school. So it was like great getting to know oh. her. And I was asking her about our family and she said her husband had passed away a couple of years ago. And just even as you're talking, she was fresh in my brain because I just had a conversation with her. And I was like, what would that say to her if the church would say being married is your highest calling. And she buried her husband two and a half years ago. So where does that place her in the kingdom? And I think it is just something, it's really good for us to evaluate our language, our rhetoric, the way we speak about women. I want to ask you this. A lot of people coming into 2024 either are in a difficult season or they are, it might come this year, they don't even see it, but there's all these transitions. And you alluded to the fact that you guys just brought home your son from India. And I just want to talk about have you talk a little bit about what is it for women and where God's called them, whether that is in the workplace, out wherever they go to work every day, or whether it is right now God's called them to be at home with their kids, which I have done both. And I always say, I always say, if you're able to stay home with your children, it is a privilege. It is a privilege. It is a privilege because most women in the world do not have that privilege. Um, So just talk about those difficult seasons and how do we navigate those as women with our work life, with what we're doing with our work life.
1: I mean, I think you just touched on it so well, the the concept of seasons, because especially for women, um, life comes in so many different seasons that it might not necessarily for men, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, after having a a child, whether biologically or through adoption, it's assumed that the man will go back to to work. It is not assumed that the woman will go back to work. And like like you said, it is a deep privilege that, Mm -hmm. that some women are able to stay home if they want to, a lot of women aren't. And so it's the onus is almost on the woman to figure that out. And so I think there's differences between men and women and their seasons of life. Um, so men's are, are a little bit more laid out in the Western world than, than women's. And so it's been really helpful for me and other women I've talked to to think through life in the concept of seasons, just like we think through The weather outside Mm -hmm. or the calendar year or the church calendar year, you know, um, we're still, as we're recording this, um, an epiphany and then we're going to ordinary time. And so thinking through our lives and seasons and some seasons might be short. I just wrapped up my maternity leave, which is three months. It was short in the grand scale of my life. Mm -hmm. Or some seasons might be prolonged, maybe Mm -hmm. more than we would like, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that's really helpful to think through, you know, what I'm in right now, whether I love it or hate it is mm-hmm. maybe promised for forever. Um, and the other thing I would say too is is, um, you know, I think many of us, our days feel really ordinary. And I think mm-hmm. that's why a Monday or the start of a new year feels so exciting and fresh for a lot of us, because it feels like a chance to maybe try to be in, new person or flip a new page. And I, I, I get that. I love that fresh feeling, but like the series we wake up and it's still us (laughs) and our bodies and our bank accounts and our neighborhood, all the things that, that don't change. And so I think, I think this is where contentment really comes in. Mm -hmm. And this is something I struggle with so, 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 so much of when we're at home and, you know, we've changed the 12th diaper and, (laughs) You know, no one's giving us a like on, on Instagram for that. Yep. It's the mm-hmm. unseen, quiet, hidden work. Or we're at our job and we've sent our 12th email for the day that no one's turns off. Just all these different <laughs> yeah. things where you, we almost bang our head against the wall. We're like, oh, this. it feels like my work isn't moving the needle mm. or that unseen work. Yeah. And I think something that helps me so much, this is probably one of my favorite promises I see in scripture is God promises never to leave or forsake us. And that Mm -hmm. has such deep meaning in moments of suffering, but it also has meaning for the everyday moments where, um, I mean, there are so many women throughout history that we know their names. We know um, the stories and impacts they had on history. And I'm so thankful we know their stories, but there are millions and millions Mm -hmm. and millions of women throughout history and today that will never know Their names, their stories or their faces, but God knows. And that really encourages me when I might feel like, does my work even matter? Mm -hmm. Is this even moving the needle? And I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels that way. And knowing that God sees me and knows me in those moments that I feel hidden or Mm -hmm. unseen, um, and in seasons that I want to end or yeah. um, move past quickly, that um, I can trust that the Lord is is present and with me
0: in those seasons. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue. that kind of mundane. I was thinking about that just yesterday actually. I uh we're recording this on the 3rd of January and I went back to work yesterday and let me tell you Chelsea I was running back to work. I was like I really <laughs> love going to work and the the week of Christmas to New Year I literally just did when I say nothing, I mean nothing. And I have big kids, so <laughs> I'm not changing diapers. Like we ate he we ate leftovers for like a week. I mean, it was like I did nothing but watch TV and take naps. So I was running back to work. But it was funny because I was thinking as I, I worked a pretty long day yesterday, actually, my first day back and got home and my husband Aaron is out of town. And if anyone knows, Aaron cooks all of our meals. And so when he's out of town, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I have to cook dinner. And I was standing there making dinner like spaghetti because it's like all I know how to make. And it was one of those mundane moments where I just had this thought of like, I went to work and then I'm cooking dinner and we're going to eat spaghetti and I'm going to watch a show and then we're going to go to bed. And it just felt kind of, I did, I, for some reason I had this mundane, but you know what? Then we sat at the dinner table. There were just three kids home out of the four and we chatted and ate dinner and I was like, nothing, there were no fireworks, nothing special at all. But I went to bed and I was like, "That was a lovely evening." And it was just mundane. It was spaghetti around the table, and then I watched the show by myself. Um, but but it is that's most that- of life. Right? Yes, like, yes. I feel like most
1: of our days are like that. And like, of course, we all have those high moments. And but that's life. Yeah, for a lot of us, I think. And,
0: you know, you mentioned yeah. um, contentment, and I think, like, I know we talk about this a lot. Like, we talk about social media a lot, and. I'm like the first to say I love social media. I love Instagram. And I'm also always trying to figure out the balance, like always, like it is just a constant (laughs) battle for me. And I'm always like, it's my job. I have to. And I'm like, no, you do not have to scroll for an hour. You know, that is not your job, Jamie. Um, But when we talk about the mundane moments, I think that we start to believe that everyone else is not living mundane lives. Everyone else is living firework lives every day. And Mm -hmm. I think that right there is where, I mean, I'm not like overly spiritual like Satan is around every corner, but I do think that he can get into us and start making us believe things that are not true. That's what he's done since the beginning of time. Make us believe things that aren't true. And so we'll start to believe I'm the only one making spaghetti tonight. Everyone else is like going out to eat or they have a chef or something. (laughs) And we're all making spaghetti. (laughs) Like that's what's happening, you know? And so I want to, since you wrote about work, I want to know how do you fight that in your work life? How do you fight that in believing like, Everyone has a better job. Everyone's moving the needle more. Everyone has a better boss. Like, what does that look like for you? You know,
1: again, going back to being a woman who is working, I think one of the questions I always wonder about other women is, like you kind of just said, like, how does she have it all together? Yes. I feel like I'm dropping every ball. I have so many unread texts. Like, I feel like I'm constantly dropping the ball. And I think remembering, like, no one has, no one, Hey, no one has it all together <laughs> or maybe they do. And I just don't know. It, no one does. No one does. No one has it all together. And remembering that even mm-hmm. when it might look like someone does and she might, I mean, someone might have it more together in a certain area of life that I covet, but I don't know what another area of mm-hmm. her life might look like. And so remembering like, Hey, no, Chelsea, no one has it all together. And that seems so simple, but I need to tell myself mm-hmm. that all the time. Um, and then I think this, the second thing I, I, that really helps me is staying in my lane. And Mm. again, it's so easy for me to look to the left and the right and, you know, get jealous of this woman's success, or maybe this, this woman had career success quicker than I did, or had a child sooner than I did, or all those types of things. Um, But I know what God has called me to do. I know the the life he has given me and um, I do think we should as Christians strive for excellence? And I even think we should strive for success in our work and um, make the most of the gifts and the talents that God's given to us. Um, Two things are true at once. I think we can strive for excellence and success while also striving for contentment. And that might Mm -hmm. sound like paradoxical, but I think, I think that we can hold that tension. Yeah, for sure. um, And, and, I think the the third thing I would say, um, I mean, I'm in my thirties and I hope to have a strong marriage, um, a strong family life, but I also want um to advance human flourishing in my work. And um I meditate on this this phrase from Eugene Peterson often, who he actually borrowed it from another author, but along obedience in the same direction mm-hmm. of knowing um, you know, maybe that my season of life might be quieter or smaller than I would like right now, but um I want to put my head down and commit to this long obedience of following Christ mm. wherever he leads um for the long haul. And I think that long vision helps me in the days when I do feel discontent mm. or I hop on social media and yeah. see someone else doing yeah. something I want to do or totally. have something I want and um, yeah, to to fix my eyes on, on the race before
0: me. I love that. Easier song. said
1: than done, though. Easier it, said than done.
0: It is, but I think it's like a good way for us to start out even 2024 20 as we we're talking just now. is like saying like, hey, remembering no one has it together, which is funny because let me show you this, Chelsea. This book of mine, Why Can't I Get It Together? Yes. <laughs> I have it pre-ordered, by the way. Oh, you're so I'm kind. Excited. You're so kind. But it is everything we've been talking about is I'm so passionate about as well. Of just there's this idea that we look around and we think, I think there's a chapter in here, not I think, I know, there's a chapter in here called Unicorns Aren't Real. And we think everyone is just this unicorn that has everything together. And then we start to believe that lie that like, oh. I must be doing something wrong. There must be something wrong with me. And I love mm-hmm. you said, stay in your lane. That is so beautiful to stay in our lane and then just to be obedient uh for the long haul. It's and hard like, though. It's, it's so, so hard. It's so hard. But we're starting 2024, reminding ourselves, you know, yes. and I think there's something. Also, when I think about like Christian life and here we are in 2024 and I read scripture and it just, it wasn't the way that we live here in our American life. I mean, there, there was no hustle and bustle. There was probably hustle for what was hustle there in that century. But I just feel like God is so much more interested in our hearts being obedient to Him than even the, mm-hmm. the things we portray to the world, you know? And um, I think I think about that a lot. Of just like, God, how do I be faithful to you? Like you said, how do I be content with what you've given me and want to be successful? Because I want to be successful at my work. I always say I don't show up for work every day, so I hope I make crappy podcasts. You know, like, yes. why would I do that? <laughs> like, I want to make the best show I can every single time I talk to someone. And so, yeah, it's good. Chelsea, thank you for this reminder. This is really, really great. You guys called to cultivate a gospel vision for women and work. Uh, is out now. Am I right about that? Yeah, it's out it now, is. and you can get it wherever you get books.
1: It released while we were in India. It was the craziest. Oh my craziest gosh, book release.
0: Yeah. that is the craziest book release. You're like, yeah, what is wild. my life? That I'm actually living. It's yeah. out. It's
1: out.
0: <laughs> it is out, and you were home, yeah. and you're a family of three. So thank you so much, Chelsea.
1: Thanks for
0: having me. You guys, as I was talking with Chelsea, I thought about um, a couple of books I wanted to mention to you. Uh, First of all, don't forget her book. It's uh, called to Cultivate, A Gospel Vision for Women and Work. But then we talked a lot about just this ordinary life, the mundane, what it feels like to just make spaghetti on a Tuesday night. And it made me think about a book that I read a couple of years ago by Tish Harrison Warren, who she's been on the show before, Um, really love her writing, and it's called Liturgy of the Ordinary. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. This book of Titius came out in 2016. I think I just read it maybe a year or two ago. It was a Christianity Today book of the year, so highly recommend it. Another book I really enjoyed, and I also read this book a couple years ago in 2018, it's called Seven Women and the Secret of Their Greatness. And Eric Metaxas wrote it, and it just goes through the life of seven women, who the women are Joan of Arc, Susanna Wesley, Hannah Moore, St. Maria of Paris, Corey Ten Boom, Rosa Parks, and Mother Teresa. And I really just loved hearing about their life and how it was marked by things um, of the gospel and what it looked like for them to be great women. And I knew most of their names, not all of their names, but just to see how they lived their life. And then lastly, in our conversation today, we talk about, hey, does everyone have it going on except us? Does everyone have it together? And it made me think of the book that I just wrote that's coming out soon. It's called Why Can't I Get It Together?, kick unrealistic expectations to the curb and rest in God's truth. And after our conversation today about the mundane and what does it look like to just walk in the ordinary life and be faithful with where it is, I wanted to read a little bit from my book. So this is from chapter nine and the chapter nine is called Where's the Joy? And so let me read a little bit. Here it is. Storytime with Jamie. shall begin now. (laughs) We need a little like storytime music. Storytime with Jamie. Here we go. We're unable to get it together when we view our responsibilities as pain points to endure instead of a blessing to steward. I have found that my responsibilities as a mother sometimes feel joyless. Often motherhood is like the movie Groundhog Day where the same things happen over and over again, day after day. And I go through the motions with little joy and mostly discontentment. We can't get it together when we dread our responsibilities. Anne Voskamp says, "'Being joyful isn't what makes you grateful. "'Being grateful is what makes you joyful.'" Lacking gratitude for the responsibilities that come with the roles God has given you to steward will always lead to a joyless existence. When I look at my Groundhog Day and express gratitude to God for it, my circumstances stay the same, but my heart changes, and I'm able to have the right response to my responsibilities. There was a time in my life when I was a young mom with two kids under two, and my husband traveled a lot for work. When I say a lot, I mean over 200 days a year. Yes, a lot. I spent most of my days solo parenting, and on many of those days, I found joy and contentment. But on the days when I didn't find joy and contentment, and I wasn't able to have the right response to my reality, I would remember a story that helped shift my perspective and realign my heart. I read somewhere that Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, who was also often solo parenting while her husband was engaged in ministry and without our modern forms of communication, she would tell her kids, isn't it awesome that God chose your daddy to go tell the world about Jesus? I can't help but imagine that the lens through which she viewed her solo parent status shifted the moment her focus turned to gratitude rather than despair. I have a hard time getting it together when my balance and my reality is off when I'm ungrateful for what God has entrusted to me, and especially when I'm comparing my life to others. We will never feel like we have it together when we're comparing our responsibilities to those of the people around us. It is often said that comparison is the thief of joy, and trying to find joy in your studies, your motherhood, your job, your relationships, your marriage, your roommates, or caring for your elderly parents when you are constantly comparing your responsibilities to those of others is impossible. We think we're comparing apples to apples, but the reality is more like apples to giraffes. Every mother is parenting under unique circumstances. Every student is learning under unique circumstances. Every employee has unique circumstances in their life. Just because you have similar roles does not mean that you have similar responsibilities. The circumstances of your life and theirs are not the same. Being content and joyful in this area, it takes work. Our brokenness and sin try to keep us from having the right response to our responsibilities. We must view our responsibilities through the lens of the gospel. When we have the right response, the gospel response, to our current realities, we are able to get it together no matter what our list of responsibilities look like. Okay, there it is, a little bit from my book, and then I go on to talk about some truths from scripture that helped me do this. I talk about Jesus and his mama. And a lot more things, but that is from my book that comes out in February. You can pre order this wherever you get books. And I know authors say this all the time, but pre orders really do make a difference. If you think, that you're going to read this book. It would just be awesome if you would pre-order it. Go to jamieivcom read, and you can find all the information for the book there. And guys, we have giveaways. We have a launch team going on. There's just a lot of fun stuff that we're offering over there. So come check it out. I would be happy to have you over there in that community. You guys, thanks for being here today. And the next episode after this one in our January series is Rachel Cruz, and we talk about
1: finances.
0: You guys, happy 2024. The Happy Hour is produced and hosted by myself, Jamie Ivy, with assistance from Nikki Ogden and Ashley Caldwell. And the show is edited by Jason Talley.